Welcome to Restore with your host, Jay Courage, sharing light from above for the journey ahead. I'm sharing with you today from the Lord Teach Us series. And today our request is, Lord, teach us to believe. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. Heavenly Father, please bless us with understanding, wisdom, and guidance. We need it. We need you. Amen. In Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 17, it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who was who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. He answered and said to them, Jesus speaking, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, Is he dead? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I'm going to share six points from the reading today with you. Point number one, we're going to look at the context of this encounter between the desperate father and his only hope, Jesus, the Christ. Here we see that the father sought audience he sought the audience of Jesus. Now, if we read a few verses a few verses before verse 17, it actually says, beginning at verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, speaking of Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them. So think about it. It's a crowd of people surrounding the, the, the disciples. Let's see what was going on in the midst of that crowd. And scribes were disputing with the disciples scribes that was another religious sect right immediately when they saw him speaking of jesus all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him and he asked the scribes what are you discussing with them now we see what, what, what why the crowd was gathered around now we see what the show was all about the dispute between the disciples of Jesus and the scribes. And then the man came out 
and said to Jesus, speaking about the father, I'm referring to him. He said to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples so that they would heal him, but they could not. This is what the scribes and the disciples were disputing over. It had to do with the man's son being healed. So we see that the man had reached out to the disciples and they could not heal, heal his son. By this time, I'm sure this father had met with doctors, physicians, religious leaders, everybody who he knew or who he thought could heal his son, he met with them. And when he came face to face with the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the men who ate, who walked, who talked, and who served with Jesus, the Christ, when they told this father that we are not able to heal your son, I'm not saying they said it with their lips, but their actions because he says, I brought my children, my son, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not heal him. He was probably on the verge of losing all hope. And then Jesus showed up. I can imagine the father pressing through the crowd, telling everybody else, just be quiet. As he sought his opportunity to speak to the Messiah and make his own request to his last hope. So by this time, the father is desperate. It makes me wonder. It makes me think and just consider what what the world would be like if more fathers made an took an initiative to stand in the gap for their sons. Just a thought. But I just want to set the stage so that we can at least get an idea of the context here. Desperate father disappointed disciples a willing savior let's move on to the next point what is Jesus saying in verse 23 now in verse 22 after the father explains to Jesus what the experiences have been like with his son who has been afflicted and oppressed by this demonic spirit he says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on me or on us and help us. So verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Notice that the man points the finger at Jesus and says, if you will have compassion on us, if you can, please help us. Jesus then points the finger back at him and says, if you can believe all things are possible to those who believe. This lets me know that there are no limits when we choose to believe, but there's a science to believing. There's a science to concentrating the mind on one specific goal or outcome and investing all of your energy, all of our energy and resources into that one outcome. When we think about this, the, 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 the reality is Jesus wants to teach us how to believe because most of us are conditioned to live according to our five senses. So if we can't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it or smell it or hear it, we don't we don't even acknowledge it as true. 
But when it comes down to the science of believing, and I'm going to use to believe and to have faith and to trust, I'm going to use that interchangeably. Because in this context, when Jesus is referring to if you can believe, he's saying if you can trust that I am able to do this, all things are possible to those who trust that I am able. He's telling us that it is really on us to choose to trust, to believe, and to exercise faith in him. Notice, notice what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. And again, in this context, it is, it is speaking specifically about trusting in the word of God to accomplish what God's word says it will accomplish. So in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it says, beginning at verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void or empty, but it will accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When it comes down to us choosing to trust in the word of God. What we're saying is that, God, I trust your integrity. I trust that you will fulfill your word. I trust that you will perform your word because unlike unlike humans, you cannot lie. It's not in you to lie. And that's what this experience really is all about. The, the process of salvation. The gift of salvation and the process of sanctification. It's all about learning to trust in God. It's all about learning to walk with God. That's what this is all about, family. Also, if we look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, we'll see another gem. So again, that's 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. And that verse says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So God's word is referred to a seed. So going back to what it means to believe, what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to to trust in God? The action of of, of trusting and exercising faith, that's where the seed of God's word begins to bear fruit. So when God's word, which is seed, is planted in our minds, but we don't act on it or we 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 prefer to doubt. We choose doubt and fear over faith and trust. His word does not bear fruit through us because it's being choked by doubt and fear and unbelief. Let's move on to the next point, which is. What does it really mean to believe? Now, I just shared this with us. To believe means to have faith, means to trust. Now, think about this. One writer puts it this way. Faith is expecting the word of God to accomplish what it says and to depend on the word of God to do what it says. So when we enter into a space of realm, uh, a, a, a space of faith or a realm of, of, of trusting in God, it's no longer it's no longer us living 
per se, but it's us allowing God's word to live and breathe through us. We just become a channel of God's word working through us. Another writer puts it this way and and, and actually makes it clear. We cannot have a healthy Christian experience. We cannot obey the gospel until salvation, until the science, which is the how to of faith. Remember, faith, trust and, and, and to believe are used interchangeably in this context is better understood. And until more faith is exercised, I like to think about faith and trust like a muscle. The more you exercise and work out a muscle, the bigger it gets, the stronger it gets. Same thing. The more we exercise faith is the stronger our spiritual muscles become. Now, what are some things that hinders our faith and our, our trust in God? What, what are some things that keeps us from believing in God? I did, I did share a little bit earlier. I'm just going to review it again and going to repeat it one more time. Doubt, fear, unbelief. Living by the five senses, what we can see, touch, taste, smell here versus living by, I'm going to say the sixth sense, which is the sense of spiritual, of, of, of spiritual vision, spiritual eye, where we, where, we, where we live according to the union that we have with God. And God speaks, one of the ways he speaks is through our conscience. These things hinder us from actually exercising trust. Jesus explains what hinders our trust in him. He also explains that in the parable of the sower, where he explains that some seeds, again, the seed is the word. Some seeds fall by the wayside. Some fall on stony grounds. Some fall on thorns. Others, they fall on good ground and they bear fruit. So the cares of the world, pursuing riches, in the world and materialism versus pursuing being rich in the spirit. Jealousy, envy, these things, they, they, they choke. They choke the root of faith. They choke the life out of the seed of trust, of trusting in God. Another point. Is that we're going to look at is the father's request in verse 24. He says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So what I can imagine the father saying is that, Lord, I'm believing with everything I got. I'm believing the best way I know how. I don't went to the doctors. I've been to the physicians. I've been to the religious leaders. I've even been to your disciples and I've been disappointed. All I have left, I'm investing it in this last hope, which is you. And I'm believing the best I know how, but I don't have anything left. Help my unbelief or please make up for the for my lack of belief or teach me how to believe. That was a very good question. Now, I want you to I want to show, show you something, because when we talk about learning how to believe and exercising our spiritual muscles. Right. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter five, verses seven to nine. And in Hebrews chapter five, verses seven to nine, speaking about Jesus, who is our example, it says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, speaking about God, the father, and was heard because of his godly fear. 
Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. The school where Jesus learned how to believe, how to discipline the mind, how to discipline the body was through suffering. Now, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. We see Jesus, our example, in Hebrews 5. Now, we're going to look at, look at the instructions that are given to us in, in 1 Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live in the live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We also learn how to trust. We learn how to have how to exercise faith and how to believe in God through suffering, through challenges, through hardship, through trial. That's how we learn. There is no easy way around it. There is no sneaky hole where we can climb under it. The only way is to go through it. But that's where we learn how to exercise, how to exercise our faith and develop our faith, our, our spiritual muscles. The, again, the father asked him, he said, Lord, teach me. He re made the request, Lord, teach me to believe, help my unbelief. And that's our request today. Lord, teach us to believe because there is a science to this. Now, I want to close with the last verse, which is verse 29. We do see that Jesus did heal his son. So his request was granted. And that's another lesson in and of itself. The, let the Lord teach us how to ask. Teach us how to request. Because many things, many, many things we have not because we ask not. And then when we ask, we ask in the wrong way. Now, the last point that we're going to finish on is verse number 29. Where after the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't they cast out the demon? Why couldn't they heal the sick child? Jesus said to them that this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, the next episode is going to be Lord, teach us to fast. So I'm going to just go ahead and just share this, this thought with you from another writer. Fasting disciplines the mind to resist that most powerful of fleshly urges, the urge of appetite. At the same time, it also trains the mind to experience the reality of the principle that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As we learn how to fast and as we choose the discipline of fasting, we actually enter into a type of gymnasium that trains our mind how to trust in God versus trusting in the things of the world versus trusting in food and anything else that we normally trust in to find satisfaction and to sustain our natural body. When it comes down to standing up against demonic forces, we need all of our mental energy to be concentrated on the word of God and to trust in the person and promises of God. Because there are many things that will only be overcome, many defects, many, 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 many forms and types of oppression through prayer and fasting as we learn how to discipline our minds on the word of God. Well, this is the end of our episode. I just want you to remember Christ's mission is to reconnect us back to the father, reconnect recreate us into in his image and restore what has been lost.